And that jarring cacophony tells you, yet again, you're back with another episode of the Power of Three podcast, and it's another one of our special looks at action figures, which we've sort of subtitled Optional Extras. Optional Extras, I was trying to remember. And this is number six. Optional Extras sounds like the name of maybe like the fifth or sixth Blondie album, (laughs) or a 1980s Rolling Stones album, doesn't it? Or something, or a 1990s Rolling Stones album. Anyway, I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Oh, and I'm Kenny Smith. I'd better say hello. That was quite rude of me. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Sorry listeners. So good. So good. Yeah. We well, want to get to the good stuff. That's it. People don't want to hear us rambling. They want to hear Al. Well, they can listen to us ramble for a little minute or two okay, first. Okay, if they must. Yes, they must. Because we're talking about the first wave of Doctor Who classic action figures. Ah, of course. I see. I see. I see. Right. These, of course, featured the fourth Doctor, fifth Doctor without celery, sixth Doctor, plus... I would have been alarmed if the fourth Doctor had celery, quite frankly. <laughs> Very true. Well, unless he had it for his lunch. Oh, and he's got celery, Rose Tyler. Then we've got, we've got D84, SB7, we've got Magnus Greel and Mr. Sin, the Sea Devil and the Zygon. There was loads! Yeah, a wave of eight figures, plus nine if you include Mr. Sin. When did the Morbius... Was there a Morbius figure? That was right? wave two, classic right. wave two. Interesting. I can't. I mean, I'm. I've been trying to remember. I have. I have them all. I'm trying. I can't remember if I bought them all at once. I've got. I, mean, I think. Like, tell, remind me what was in Wave Two. Wave Two had Morbius. Right. It had the Cyberman, the Earthshock Cyberman. There was the Mummy. Robot mummies. There. Because I, mean, I have a memory of a box coming in a post from Who Won. Um, who won UK? who I get a lot of Doctor Who stuff from because they're brilliant I've got a memory of a, a box coming from them that had I think it must have been wave one with Mr Sin and, and the Vox and the, the various Doctors because was that the builder figure of the giant robot yes that's the yeah. one so I do remember that it all blows I mean it all blows together because I remember the um, some of the other ones happening around about the same time but I remember the local FP had them but again I, I quite like getting stuff I think the, I think it, the way it worked out who one were doing quite a good deal on them you know it was like not quite a bundle reduction or anything like that but it was you know inclusive of postage it was quite good so yeah I, I do have I have all of that first wave so when were they released remind me 2008 oh. the autumn of 2008 but the thing was I mean as you'll hear I'll discuss this with Al but mm. I first saw these in Tesco in Coatbridge I mean how weird is that to see a Colin Baker figure I know. in Coatbridge Tesco it just goes to show you how popular Doctor would become and how quickly it was, fact, you know, it ju- you know, we couldn't even get a Colin Baker figure in a supermarket in the eighties. It's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, but no, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, we've got a great chat with Al. So, if you've got an hour to spare, listeners, I think it's about an hour and five minutes. Oofed. Why don't you sit back and listen to Al, who's going to tell us about these figures, and also a figure that never was. Hi, <laughs> my name's Cooter from Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's uh, 
Hi, it's Al Jura here, Kenny. Um, I think it's funny, people are finally beginning to understand how to say my name, rather because I've had so many weird um, permutations that I'd see turning up on YouTube, but they finally got the fact that Jura is Jura. So it's... Yes. Not Duar uh, yeah. or Dewar. Not Duar or Dewar. So it's, it's Al Jura creative director for my sins for character options and i suppose i head up i suppose i head up <laughs> i head up the uh the um doctor who side of of the business currently and it's one of our little chat it's our first am i allowed to say post new year chat new yeah, year you're new to say that Yes, well, that's it. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, which is a good. And it's also my first with my new headphones that I got for Christmas, which are wireless. Cybus, oh. I see. <laughs> totally, exactly. Thanks, Mr. Lumic, for making them for me <laughs> and popping them in. Although I have been getting these weird thoughts that, no, we'll move away from that. <laughs> but we are going back to that era virtually of uh, John Lumic, because we're going back to 2008 today, as we take a look at that very first wave of classic Doctor Who action figures that you released. A bunch with the D84, SV7, the Zygon, the 4th, 5th and 6th Doctors, Magnus Grill and Mr. Sin, and the Sea Devil. Yes. So it's an interesting one because you have to remember whatever the release date was, it was basically a year before that that we were working on this. So it's actually 2007, which is probably probably a good thing really because i think if it had been much later than that we we not that we might not have got it but it might have been slightly different because obviously the, the that's close to the point that sort of 2008 point where 10th doctor was i believe initially well he wouldn't have been leaving at that point but it was it was a sort of it was a very good year in terms of the tv which was making all the sales fantastic and amazing and then um i think we had one more year didn't we and then he we had a year of specials which was which was tricky my big question for you is i mean was this reviewed as something of a risk doing something that wasn't from the contemporary series at the time um no, I mean, if anything, the success the success of the series and the fact that we were doing so well at retail with the main series was really the driver behind this because we we had 2005, we in actual fact didn't do a huge amount of product and the show launched. But in reality, at the end of 2005, we, we hadn't really, you know, early 2006, we hadn't really got a lot of product into the market. Uh, so then, roll on 2006-2007, the Doctor Who uh, roadshow, as far as products concerned, was, was you know, everyone was taking it. You know, we were doing sets for Argos, we were doing sets for Woolies, we were doing sets for Toys R Us, we were, you know, we were, we were just, you know, doing Doctor Who stuff for everyone. And I think there was a dawning realisation, because I've always, I've always said, when you're developing product and you're looking back, you can cherry pick. But when you're developing product and you and you're sort of either in the moment or facing the unknown, you're pinning your coat on a hell of a lot of unknowns. You know, 
you're picking characters and you have you know and in fairness fabulous information flying our way about you know from from the brand team at the time about what was coming there was there was no issue on that it's just you simply don't know what's going to resonate and what's going to work and what's going to be popular so we definitely had an element of that going on where we were in that position of we cherry picked kind of what we could from the previous series series and a half and then we were obviously in new stuff and we were developing new product but by that time also it became very clear that not only were kids buying the stuff and they were undoubtedly making up a, a big chunk of the new series but it was very obvious that there was the nostalgia aspect and that there was a hell of a lot of doctor who fans out there that were you know um the dad the, you know the dads and the mums um who'd watched it themselves as kids and probably in some cases grandfathers and grandmoms that had watched you know as kids um so and to that extent it was also you know it was it was also so there's the back catalog is what i'm trying to say there was a there was a very rich back catalog of characters and monsters to be mined and uh, i think even then we realized that there was certain characters who are probably going to resonate and be slightly more popular you know there was no doubt that the color tv generation of doctor who was definitely going to be more popular than some of the older sort of black and white stuff because although kids who were getting into doctor who kids who were getting into doctor who and watching the new series were almost definitely being shown the original series by their mums and dads and whatever and everyone else who'd been you know keeping doctor who alive since you know uh, sylvester had walked off screen uh, with ace many years before had um oh, with sophie rather it, it was it was just an, it was an obvious place to go it wasn't a, i would say it wasn't a huge risk it was it seemed it seemed a fairly safe bet i suppose is the honest answer in fact in some ways the biggest issue was always who would you go with because in reality you'd probably go oh let's do doctor one doctor two doctor three then we'll do doctor four doctor five doctor six but as i say we kind of knew that the, the the color era we knew tom baker era was a must that was a big one every that he was the archetypal doctor at that point john pert we was certainly there was a there was a big awareness but some of the like i say some of the black and white ones maybe not so much for the kids um so yeah it was it was a reasonably it was a reasonably safe bet excellent because i mean i remember first i heard that the colin figure was on the way was from the man himself who said he'd seen a prototype and just said the paintwork on it the coat was perfect yeah that was so that's when sort of i first heard that these were coming so what made you go with you've mentioned there obviously tom was an obvious choice so peter and colin were they quite obvious ones to do as well did you feel being more recent i think so it's funny you're um so, so my sort of um so yeah okay let's answer let's answer your question first 
yeah, uh, Tom the Tom Baker era seemed like a very obvious one. The Peter Davidson again seemed like a very obvious one, and Colin Baker they were kind of like that succession of the of the three. Colin Baker's head we had an absolute nightmare with. I turned up at Design Works. I think it was, <laughs> it was the strangest development of any figure that one because although the body and everything was fine we had this really bizarre situation where and this was back pre-digital by the way so a really bizarre situation where I would turn up and they would hand me the figure and go what do you think of that and I would go I don't like that it doesn't look anything like him <laughs> so I think there was about four of, I think it was five people had a go at the Colin head. So the, the head that we ended up with was, I think, the fifth version of that head because we just, I say, well, I'm using the royal we, but it wasn't me actually sculpting it. But it was, it wasn't until we got to that head that I kind of thought, yes, we've we've nailed it. It was it it had a particular look to it. So yeah, as far as the doctors go, I'm trying to remember. I think I th I'm trying to remember if by that time, the sort of the underground guys had started doing some of theirs, but I don't think they. I don't think they had at that point. So yeah, it, it seemed like I say it seemed quite obvious. Tom Baker was a definite. Peter Davidson was a definite. Our feeling was that we should focus on the color generation starting with Tom and you know me I'm a massive Tom Baker fan so there's no way on God's earth we weren't doing Tom Baker I can tell you and that's still one of my favorite figures albeit it took nearly a decade to get the color of his jacket right yeah yes it's, it's weird but um what, something happened with the Doctor Who figures that to this day still sort of well two things that still sort of niggle me in hindsight being 2020 one was the height issue that um i was sure and my memory's rubbish but i was sure i'd sort of said when we'd started down this path you know one of the key things is that we've got to have all the doctors at their relevant height and all the monsters at their relevant height so that when we then get to things like the cybermen they're six and a half seven feet tall and they look flipping scary as it didn't happen so we have this weird situation where almost all the almost all the doctors i think with the exception of sylvester the seventh doctor ended up being a sort of fairly uniform height which isn't really the case and then that that sort of 5.5 inch for almost every figure set in and I got really annoyed when it came to the Cybermen, but it was it was too late by then. I mean, it always really, really niggled me that the Cybermen were not the towering silver giants. They were, in fact, five foot eight bloke in a suit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, or sorry, five ten bloke in a suit. Yeah, and also, you know, again, looking back, the, the neutral pose that we did, I think, was really good, but we could have maybe made them a bit more dynamic. That's hindsight. Mm -hmm. There was, of course, that early controversy you encountered with Davison with no salary. Well, I can't say here. I mean, it was it was um, because everything went through brand at the time. Anyway, I mean, 
it doesn't matter really but it was a very stupid thing but i was young and stupid and i was doing silly things and you know you live and learn and, and eventually you know you put the but it worked you know what it worked out well in the end because when it came to do the regenerated doctor who didn't have celery on his lapel <laughs> we could do it thanks <laughs> um, but you I mean you had created the, the initial castor valve look and also you created a market on eBay for people to create their own celery to sell it because I remember seeing it little bits of celery being sold for two quid yes if that's you trying to say there's you know here's here's something to soften the blow from the fact that you're an absolute arse animal then that's 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 fine I'll I'll take that and I'll and I'll run with it <laughs> yeah so that so that was the controversy you're absolutely right there was controversy also when we developed these figures in this wave we originally had them all with accessories so we had Peter Davidson with a cricket bat and a cricket ball we had Tom Baker with a bag of jelly babies and the Sonic. Obviously, they all had Sonics. I can't remember with Holland Baker what we gave him, but I think it was the Sonic Lance. And it and it's what it's weird is because I know it came down to costing and it was it was the expense. So the the accessories were, and it wasn't my decision, but the accessory the sort of classic accessories were itched. But then I'm looking at it and thinking, you got Magnus Greeland, basically a second figure in this page, completely free. So, yeah, it was a, it's, it's an odd one. What made you go with these particular baddies? I've always, same answer. I've always said the same thing. They were just my ones that I wanted to do at the time because they came from my particular favourite stories. So the Builder figure, which was my boss's idea, which I thought was great, was we do a builder figure and I thought, well, I know which one I'm doing for that. <laughs> Robot is absolutely one of, you know, it's Tom Baker's first story. It's absolutely, you know, although it's very clearly a third doctor story when you look at it now in the cold, hard light of day. But it's, you know, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved that robot. So there was no way on earth I wasn't having him as the builder figure. The Vok robots, robots of death, just brilliant. Can watch that one. Talons of Wang Chiang, so it had to be Magnus Greel with uh, Mr. Sin. There's the Sea Devils, because they, oh, that's weird. They, my, one of my earliest um, John Pertwee memories was the Sea Devils. And I think it's just because the quality of transmission back then was absolutely rubbish, but they were utterly terrifying to me. And when they came sort of marching out of the sea, I just thought they were scary as. And then again, the Zygon, which, again, just another classic villain, and it's basically Invasion of the Body Snatchers, isn't it? I mean, it's, though I think, I mean, it's weird, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the photographs of them here while we're chatting, and these are obviously photographs of the paint masters. So you've got some weird things like the Zygon being in a sort of matte finish, whereas in actual fact, he should have been in a sort of nice, disgusting, wet rubbery finish but um yeah so that was it, it was purely and simply because that's the ones i wanted nobody said nobody nobody even argued with me i just said you know we're, we'll have these doctors and and just you know if i only get it's always the same i was working the basis if i get one shot at this what am i doing and that was that was it i was like they're all they're all, <laughs> all gonna be the ones i like 
And exactly the same for Series 2, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fact that such is your attention. You've even included John Woodnut's mic as Broton in there. It was part of the costume, but you've made it part of uh, the figure. <laughs> you know, that was one thing the sculptors put in, and it wasn't until I got the paint master that I realised that they, that they'd done that. But then it also, because the only thing I'd said is he has to have this garrison recall button uh, there, yeah. device. You know, that's that's paramount. Make sure he has the garrison. Re- so it's weird. They, the figures ended up with, in some ways, better accessories than the doctors. But I always wanted the doctors to have some accessories as well, or, be- or more accessories. So the the sort of lash up robot um, head interference unit that goes with um, D eighty four is pretty. Good. What's interesting with that one is that we we put out D eighty four and we put out the super Voc, but we didn't just do the generic Voc, which was mm-hmm. an odd one. But there you go. Yeah, for a future wave. Now nowadays, I would have put I would have put SB seven in every alternate one just to. <laughs> not to piss people off. That's not fair. I don't. I don't do things to piss people off. But I do things where I think, you know, if I can't have one thing, I can. I can get a halfway house, and then potentially I'll get, you know, yeah. people will collect because I would. So yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing because it was lovely. You got all the different stickers in there, and you because the fact you've been screen accurate and gone through all the different labels for all the Vox and oh, the and things like that. Watch. I had to watch that story so many times, and I literally noted down every VOC that appeared on the screen, and we did it as a sticker, so that you could so you could make every not just the obvious one, which is let's just label them one to thirty. <laughs> it was literally these are the ones that appear on screen. Every single VOC, you know, is is going in there. And he had, um, didn't the, didn't the, didn't the Supervoc have spare hand or something? Yeah, there was a bloodied hand, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a Supervoc with a with a with a corpse marker in the yeah. hand. As well. That's and it. A, yeah. Yeah, and Magnus Greel had a removable mask or a Proper separate head. head. Yep, and Mister Sin had his knife. Yeah, there was two heads in the in the fourth Doctor set. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. That, that was rather cool. And I'd imagine that something that may have been problematic was the Sea Devil's Court. Yeah, I thought I was being terribly clever at the time, funnily enough. I thought I've made them try and find a mesh. It's funny, isn't it? You know, um, sometimes these sort of soft goods things work. And sometimes they don't. Like I've got a few Hasbro Black series stuff, and the Jedi cloaks are made of this horrible sort of nylon material. So even if you wash them and soak them and wet them, you can't sort of shape them because they just they're just shaped as they are, and they kind of slightly annoys me. Um, the Sea Devil. I know we too we we found the material which I approved and I said that's perfect but they have to be blue and they were like what and I was like yeah it has to be blue because it's this blue netting so you know um, that's what happened we ended up hand dyeing in the factory the netting so that it could be blue but it was it wasn't terrible but obviously 
like sea devil body is a bit interpretive because I imagine if you took the netting off the body would probably have been pretty crap underneath because it was mostly hidden and a bit seaweedy and nasty so we with a lot of these things stuff that you can see we kind of made up like you know omegas omegas undersuit completely made up because it was just kind of like you know we never saw it <laughs> we don't know what ants were like but you know just assume that it would be similar to the rest of the suit and you kind of work it up accordingly kind of yeah extrapolate uh, as it were yeah exactly it. the power of um, imagination yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a few things so what was so i guess the question is do you remember getting these buying these did you have any that you liked was there anything you didn't like um and do you have any f particular memories oh totally i mean i remember first time i saw these was in a Tesco in Coatbridge. And those of you who know Scotland will know Coatbridge isn't the most um, luxurious of places. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a slum town, we could say. And I was absolutely astounded. So I bought I think I found five of them there and they were seven ninety nine each. And I just thought, I'm having these, no question about it. So I think I got the three doctors, the Zygon and one of I think it was one of the box. So I got these and obviously I was so excited and took them home and you know, started you know, putting the robot together, but obviously it wasn't all there. And um, went round so many shops trying to find the other ones so I could obviously get the full set and obviously complete my giant robot. And it was an absolute nightmare because I could never find them because I think other fans had really cottoned on to the fact that these things are out there. So I ended up having to order them online and I can't remember, it may have been like Tesco online and ordered, ordered them and I got them sent to the office and I knew they were coming so I brought my this I was at the Rutherglen Reformer at the time and um, so I'd taken in the giant robot parts that I had so when these things arrived I could open them and the first thing I did was build the robot and just went wow and then it fell over because of its rubbish feet um, <laughs> so yeah that was I was just so excited and there was just that real sense of I mean I've never you know done you know, sort of, you know like collect and build things you know like artworks or anything at that point so there was a real sense of you know completion and satisfaction and joy at having that and i was so excited and just thought i have got a k1 robot on my desk and it was just the most amazing thing in the world to me at the time and my work colleagues well one jonathan was a fan but doogie and jillian were just grew up kenny and uh so this one 2000 <laughs> i'd have been 34 at the time so yeah my god that's scary so yeah i absolutely loved them i mean i was so excited i thought the the ones that you chose to launch the range with were great um you know a good bunch of good bunch of familiar monsters from you know some of the best stories and i genuinely was so excited at this, the fact that we were finally getting the classic you know classic doctors were there we're getting some monsters and the thing that i really wanted to know was when are we getting the rest of the classic doctors i, mean, I just loved them i thought they were great the fact there was a mr sin in there as well and as you said earlier, two for the price of one. Just, wow, brilliant. I was just a very, very happy boy. You made my younger self, and still do make myself very pleased and excited. And I'm looking at, and I've still got the Zygon figure up on my shelf right now, and I'm looking up at it, and he's so cool. He's, they're just brilliant. And I just, it was the attention to detail, and that's when I thought, there's somebody who knows their stuff working in these. This is obviously before we met, but wow. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, the attention to detail thing is a, is a funny thing. It's it's like the thing you, the thing you care about the most, you get the most pernickety about <laughs> for because it means a lot to you. So yeah. it's funny little thing. It's like these days, you know, stuff happens with the B and M stuff, and you kind of there's always something. There's always something like you kind of go, oh. The Daleks buy stocks the wrong one. And they're like, oh, but you signed it off. And I'm like, yeah, but I signed it off and I made the comment at the time, the ice stock's not right. <laughs> but Doctor Who's not, you know, the company just doesn't make, you know, Doctor Who toys. It makes, it's a small percentage of the what the company does. So, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, mistakes do creep in. But with these, yeah, we were, we were very, we were very pernickety about the details. Like Mister Sin had to have his knife, the robot had to have the disintegrator gun. Mm-hmm. I remember having a big dis- about the robot arms and how they had to articulate under the shoulders so that they would yeah. clear the shoulder bells mm-hmm. because if you. You know that suit is designed so that when the arm is raised the shoulder bells are um, sort of in sections so they yeah they will move up but obviously in a plastic toy you can't do that so you have to have the so yeah just um things things like that yeah it's funny you mentioned the robot's feet that still annoys me to this day because the little pins that hold the front of the feet on i was absolutely adamant that the robot um, having seen Michael Kilgareth stagger down several <laughs> stairs, and I was like, "That robot has to have feet that articulate." So we put this sort of thing on the and the actual system works really well. It's just that the tiny little annoyingly small pip that holds it on just isn't quite big enough. And the other thing that's slightly annoying is that the feet are slightly asymmetrical, so only the right foot will fit on the right foot of the robot and then the left foot shield will fit on the left foot so yeah um and then other things it still annoy you years later like you know the it, i would have time allowing i've made the head of the robot so that it didn't clip in and be non-removable because what i've always loved about that story is the fact that you've got that Bit where um, and I can't. Mr. Jellico is basically got the robot's head off and he's tinkering on the insides of it. So it's yeah. little things like that. But in, after after you've done it, you're kind of like, oh shit, I should have. Yeah. yeah. But you did tweak it on reissue, didn't you? When it came out as a figure on its own, with it, just the color scheme slightly, that sort of thing. Yeah, we got the color scheme slightly longer. Wrong, sorry, not long. But I think that's that's one of the benefits of. HD and especially 4K is it shows up where you've made slight mistakes. So what I thought was a red stripe was actually a purple stripe, and the visor isn't in fact red; it's it's purple. So um, you get cool stuff that turns up. Uh, the robots I would have probably made again. I would have made things like the head removable on the robot, and I might have done a slightly different pose on the Sea Devil in terms of the the sort of fins on the head and stuff yeah. but some of them are absolute gems the, that Colin Baker figure is just one of the all time perfect figures it just looks 
brilliant. The Peter Davidson figure is brilliant. And that version of the Tom Baker figure is also really good. There's been a tendency, and it's shown up in some of the things like the Time Lord set recently, is a tendency with sculptors to kind of go for that. I think we've discussed this before, but to go for that sort of slightly boggle-eyed, manic look that Tom Baker has. And I don't like that. I, I much prefer my fourth Doctor slightly sarcastic, slightly snippy, um, a little bit kind of superior and and sort of not looking boggle-eyed. So uh, some of those er- some of those earlier sculpts I, I definitely prefer, 100%. One that I always wondered was, you know, looking back on it now, are there any that you wish you'd perhaps popped in this range, you know, early doors that you didn't do, you know, like the original Silurian or anything like that? Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's like I say, hindsight's twenty twenty. What's weird is I think we'd have still ended up, if I'd only had one shot at it and I'd only been able to do series one, I'd almost certainly have ended up with, because I know me and, and, and I was kind of, and I always have been slightly forced doctor obsessed. So there's no doubt about it. We'd have still ended up, you know, even if you took certain things out of the frame, you'd have still ended up with things probably like the Morbius creature maybe the master funnily enough the ones that i don't like not don't like but i think i could have quite happy the mummy i think i probably wouldn't have done and the zygon funnily in hindsight i probably wouldn't have done only only i think because they are what they are they're kind of fixed to coin a Doctor Who phrase, the fixed moments, the fixed things. You can't, you can't really do a Zygon variant, and the Ice Warrior was never really one of my favourite characters. Anyway, I, th- I think it's, so. To answer your question, yes, I, I would have, all, you know, if it was this head developing this product with the knowledge of knowing what we what what we did or we could do I would certainly not do the Ice Warrior which some people might be like no um, Gary Russell is screaming and I, probably, and I probably wouldn't have done I probably wouldn't have done the Zygon the one there's a couple that I really wish we had done I really wish I'd done a Vervoid because I think in terms of costume design whatever you think of the story I I think the Vervoid was a fantastic looking creature. So that would that would be up there. I just I just even to this day I think the Vervoid costume is just flipping cool. Other ones I'm just trying to think I'm trying to think what else. I mean there's some weird some weird ones I suppose like the I'm just trying the stories that resonated with me are probably slightly strange I suppose the malice is one that sort of always registered with me I'm trying to think of some Peter Davidson that didn't a good classic the malice playset the Terraleptils I thought were quite well see the Terraleptil android I think is a, is a beautiful piece of work as well it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like I can see that as a distant cousin of the Vok 
robots. You know, if the if the Keldor City robot war had kept going and not gone into administration, um, <laughs> they would have they almost certainly produced, I am sure, uh, uh, under contract the the Terraleptil android because. Yeah. Is uh, and then in fact, it's such a shame in that story because the, you, you have this thing where it's it's like this figure of death that's constantly wandering around in the background. But in actual fact, once it's disrobed, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Maybe a classic Silurian. I'm funny enough. I much prefer the '80s Silurian. I know people they're probably the heresy primords they were pretty good the, the other creatures that i think were fantastic were um some of the sylvester ones like um mm. the hemophores yeah the destroyer destroyer is a big bugger i mean if we had done another build a figure set i think the destroyer would have been a good candidate for that but he was he was huge he yeah. was big yeah like the ancient um, as well this was a bit bigger than the others yeah he was a big he was a big beast as well wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah the vervoid definitely yeah. i think was absolutely lovely i think what um well colin was vervoid i think i would have probably spread the the mix of monster to i it, probably nowadays i would try and pair a monster to a doctor so if you're doing a fourth fifth and sixth doctor you would do a fourth fifth and sixth villain to go with them yeah but then time as a very much of the opinion you know it might be one and done so i, I did the ones i wanted <laughs> well nothing wrong with that in, because they're all good ones from great stories that everyone loves totally mercenary way yeah it sparks a lot of memories i was looking I'm just looking at the, the packaging here and that oh, that, that was lovely as well russell t davis original era with that very orange and blue color which is amazing because now you wouldn't be allowed to do that you wouldn't be allowed to mix style guides like that but essentially that style guide was the one that we were doing the other figures in at the same time so it was like there was one style guide so yeah it's quite quite different but but again very cool and i love the clamshells the clamshell lovely environmentally horrible in in by modern standards but you know i think a lot of people back then you, yeah we, we we should have kept using the clamshells for a bit longer i think Fantastic. Well, I think they're great. I mean, that was at the time you got sort of classic merch with a new logo on it. And obviously it took a long time for Big Finish to get the rights to do that. So, yeah, I said merch. Please shoot me now. Yeah, I know. I was shocked. I was shocked. Merch. So one that people are aware of, but of course never came into production, was of course the Web of Fear Yeti. So can you tell us a wee bit about that? I take it that was planned to go potentially wave two of the classics? No, it wasn't actually. The Yeti, let me cast my mind back to the Yeti. The Yeti was actually one of those projects that was very near the end of 
the sort of relationship that we had built up with underground toys, both in the UK and especially in the US. And we had an ongoing relationship with them. And actually, in conjunction with them, we developed quite a few of these unique sets that then made their way both into the UK market and the US market. So things like the gel guards, the with the Brigadier, the Joe set, um, you know, the Master and TARDIS, his, uh, not the Inley one, but the, the other one. So, yeah, and I think it was a victim, it was a victim of timing, because by that time, uh, as far as character was concerned, the sort of classic series in terms of the of us had definitely dwindled and we were focusing on on the what you would call the main series and it came and and the yeti came along just kind of at the point towards the end of that i can't go into a lot of detail because there's there's a bunch of sensitive stuff but in essence from memory it came along at the because that was the only thing that kind of made sense was we were very much in that relationship dipping into some quite specific stories and um i'm pretty sure yeti came along towards the end of that however th there is a caveat to that the caveat being that Although it came, although it was at the end of that, so it's not quite true, because I'm just getting the timeline straight in my head. So in actual fact, it was in the sense that towards the end of that relationship, I knew I had approval to potentially make it in the sense of the legal hurdles between the BBC and the Hazeman and Lincoln, Henry Lincoln. Henry Lincoln. He was a brilliant guy. Uh, and I'll go into that. Yeah, the Hazeman and Lincoln estate issues with the BBC um, hadn't exactly been resolved, but they'd been sort of overcome. So um, it, it was one of those ones that it almost made it, but it didn't. It was developed early. It was it was developed earlier than the end of that relationship. But what happened was we developed it in terms of sculpted it without really <laughs> doing, doing due diligence and checking out the legal situation. So when it was made and painted and submitted for approval, it came back as very unusually one of those ones that was a dead straight no you can't do this which and actually i think there's another one but that was the only one that i can remember where we actually got a dead straight no you can't do it and i remember asking as you would obviously oh why because we've sculpted it and the issue apparently ended up as being essentially that henry lincoln and and uh, well lincoln and hazeman basically and it's it's legally it's it's a it's a weird thing, but they the sort of they maintained that they owned 
character rights to that particular character. And the BBC maintained that they had ownership of the story from their side. And what resulted was, a, a, <laughs> to put it mildly, a slightly tense situation between the writers and the BBC where basically it was essentially an impasse where the BBC said don't go anywhere near that character the Candyman that was the other one they were the BBC basically said don't go anywhere near that character because it's a we're in a bit of a kerfuffle so it was a bit of an it, it was a very odd situation to be in to have a straight refusal as I say it was quite unusual however me being me and being dogmatic as I was then I mellowed I actually went independently I kind of said to them but I said look if I can get clearance for us to I get that there's a hoo-ha going on but if I can get clearance for us to use or make a Yeti limited only one's going to be made and that's it kind of thing would you be okay with it? And they said, well, you're more than welcome to try, but, but you know, these guys won't, or the estate won't, states won't even talk to us. It was kind of that level. Anyway, I did get in touch, and I got in touch with Henry Lincoln, who is an absolutely fabulous guy, and Henry and I, and obviously he's he's done so much stuff he's um he's very much involved in um historical stuff and that's his real sort of meat and bones uh, that he does now he's he's very much i think it was i'm trying to think back but i think it was things like the knights templar and all the sort of secret codes and stuff because i think he actually eventually went to went to war with the guys that did the da vinci code because a lot that's of right dan brown to, yeah a lot of a lot of Dan Brown stuff dug into basically research that Henry Lincoln had essentially done. So he was kind of at war with somebody else at the same time. But that that's kind of by the by. He's a, he was he was living in France at that particular point. I'm not sure. I think he's still alive. I believe. I think he passed he quite not? recently. I'm just thinking about. It. I'm sure it's pretty recent. Anyway, he was an absolutely lovely chap, and he and I got on exceptionally well. We chat on the phone for ages and just have a basic blather and moan about this and moan about that. However, we did eventually cover the issue on the Yeti, and he sort of said, look, we're an impasse. Um, the, 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 as far as I'm concerned, we're digging our feet in and the BBC aren't getting the rights and the BBC on the same time. However, I thought I've managed to negotiate a thing with them. I said, look, we're it's a toy. The fans love it this is what we do and I sort of showed him pictures and I showed him the sculpt I sent him emails and stuff and I um, he loved it and he said that's you know it's fantastic I said look if we come to an arrangement that this is going to be a one-time use it's literally we're going to make it one-time use if you want us to smash up the molds we will um, the BBC essentially is our licensor but you know they don't they wouldn't own it in terms of the you know, the, there'd be nothing on, you know, we'd get an acknowledgement on pack, all the other stuff. <laughs> and it was quite, it's quite a weird situation because he said, that's fine. You just, he said, if you get the BBC to write me a legal document to that effect, then what we'll do is we'll, we'll read it over and we'll agree. So I went back to the BBC and said, look, 
this is what's been agreed. Can we do this? <laughs> Somewhat funnily or not, the BBC legal department then sent him a standard right of use contract, which was not what was agreed. So despite me saying it's this, this and this, and it's very specific, a general contract went out. So the next time I spoke to Henry, he was absolutely incensed and basically said, they've just sent me a standard contract and there's no bloody way on earth I'm signing that. And I said, don't worry, don't worry, leave it with me. And I went back to the BBC again several times and it took weeks, it took weeks, because every time the legal team were looking at it, and they just kept sending him these standard contracts. And I can't remember how it got resolved, but I think the, B I think the BBC legal department eventually gave up. <laughs> In the sense, I kept going back and saying, look, I need this. And they were like, no, no. But by hook or by crook, I actually got permission to do it. Um, I actually got permission to do the Yeti and to produce it. Because Henry basically said, that's fine. Um, if you produce the Yeti, that's perfect. I'll take a couple of sets of it and that'd be brilliant. The BBC said, that's fine. We don't want anything to do with it. It's not It's not really to do with the contract issue as such. And if you take responsibility, you can essentially do this Yeti because your agreement was with, is with or will be with Henry. It will just go out under the Doctor Who heading. So it was essentially wow. resolved. Yeah, but it was... <laughs> But it was resolved just in time for it not to happen. <laughs> so, having done all the bootwork and the legwork, I mean, I th it was literally the space. I was I was trying everything, and I and I, I kept in touch with Henry a little bit after that as well. He used to and he used to email me occasionally. But yeah, we we got it done, and then it sort of just didn't happen. The sort of working relationship with underground sort of essentially both companies kind of went their own ways and then i think underground eventually sort of wound up but um yeah so it was one of those wonderful things where we created the sculpt it looked wonderful everyone loved it everyone wanted to do it the legal stuff got in the way Eventually, that was kind of resolved just because people, I think, just got so fed up of it and kind of basically everyone went, just do your own thing and we'll just, we'll just, nobody will say anything. Um, and then because there was, you know, the, the kind of opportunity, the, that window of opportunity to do it just disappeared. So it's it's been in that limbo state ever since. And actually, we uh, when we were developing it, now this is where it gets hazy hazy for me because there was a subsequent discussion when I was speaking with my engineers at the time of whether we could be creative with the sculpt once we got to tooling model stage in order to essentially swap the head or the upper half of the figure so that we could create a different Yeti, the different Yeti. But it never really happened. To say by, by hook or by crook, it just kind of, the the planets didn't align. So the Yeti has ever since. And I think uh, I'm right in saying that Eagle Moss did a Yeti in the same way that Eagle Moss did a Candyman. So I'm assuming that it's a, a similar thing. And I know publishing rights and toy rights are slightly different. So 
but it yeah it's it's one that slipped through the net and everyone's like oh you gotta do it you gotta do it but it's just like there isn't an opportunity at the moment of a go if there was it, it also it's one of those uh, and then people will go no no it's not um, but it's one of those figures that I think in terms of visually looking I think it, it would it would potentially look stunning but in terms of the articulation you could realistically put into it, it would be very, very limited. Like, I, I doubt you could even make the legs articulate. So it'd be a bit like the crinoid. It would have a hugely massive and heavy upper body with probably quite limited uh, arm articulation. So I'm not sure how satisfying it would have ever been as a figure, albeit it had some nice features like the removable cover so you could see the chest and the robot bits inside. Uh, but yeah, I, like I say, I'm not sure how, how satisfying it would have been as a figure, albeit um, it would have been, I think, satisfying for the collectors to be able to put it on shelf. And interestingly, I've got a Black Series... Um, <laughs> the one the one black series figure that i ordered thinking this is going to be brilliant and then afterwards thinking i don't know why the hell i ordered this but it, it was the gamorian guard and he has some furry because they do in in the in return of the jedi they have the furry underpants section and actually that's quite interesting because there's this it works quite well at that scale so I do wonder whether we could have alternately done some sort of internal skeleton with articulation and a sort of fur shroud. But the danger there is that it just could have looked <laughs> awful. However, it's the one figure that I, as you probably know, tout round, you know, if I'm ever invited to, which is not often, if I'm ever invited to sort of conventions and stuff it's usually the yeti i take with me because there's, there's almost no danger of it ever actually being made but it's a good one to show people partly because it's so big that nobody could run off with it um <laughs> uh, it's a piece of a thing but then i dug out i think and you might have them on your um, website at some point but i dug out as you know the the sort of paint master images of the yeti I've forgotten how good it looks. It's, it's, it looks a, amazing. It's a, a spectacular beast, that is. It's a spectacular beast. It's just, I hadn't realized that we, I should have realized, but I hadn't realized that we got as far as doing the Paint Master for that one. So the Paint Master must exist somewhere out there, or, unless it went to the Far East and got smashed and jumped with everything else, which is very possible. How many of them were made up, your Hemi prototypes? How many? Are known to exist to your knowledge one mm -hmm. i thought it was one but it turns out it's probably two because the paint master certainly existed because there's photographic evidence and i have the other one but that was it it doesn't even exist as a digital file so yeah it's it's literally the last one in existence so if it goes missing or gets broken, it wasn't me. It's bye bye Yeti. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, it's just a shame that he wasn't able to come out in 2013 when the episodes were recovered. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those. Well, as you know, it's uh, it's it's all about cutting the cloth to make the best you can at the time. And everyone has their wish lists, so yeah, it's just one of those ones that never quite made it out there. But you know, oh. hope springs eternal. There's always a chance. It, what what is interesting for me is that, and it must have been down to me personally, but it's funny in a way because in hindsight, what's interesting for me is I would have probably gone for the Himalayan Yeti. So that's an odd one, that it, and it must have been me at the time saying, "Do it." And also, I do remember as well as the little sphere in the chest. I'm pretty sure that when that was sculpted, it had the web gun as well. And I don't know what happened to that. So that's that's disappeared somewhere along the way as well. There you go. That's the Yeti. So the unvoluted life of the Yeti. I know it's weird, isn't it? You kind of think Yeti jail guard you would take the yeti every day of the week but we did the jail guard time it's just timing sometimes timing is perfect sometimes it sucks to Uh, quote the tv movie tardis critical timing malfunction it was a it was an absolute critical timing malfunction It's amazing. You get you get a lot of people picking up on your show. I I saw on Gallifrey base the other day there was a lot of people. It's funny though, they, they sort of misquote me on stuff, or at least I think they misquote me. Maybe they do quote me correctly, but they um there was a bit of a Ferrari where they were like, Oh, we're getting a new if we get a new classic tortoise, I'll do it differently. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. I'm pretty sure mm. I said You didn't. If I had if I had my time over again. And if the tools ever wear out, and there was, and there was a chance to remake that tool, which currently there isn't, I would have done it differently. But that's hindsight, which was a, kind of the point I was trying to make. Hindsight's twenty twenty, yeah. as we all a know. A bit of myth busting there as well. I'll just there you go, just to make sure that those Gallifrey basers get it right. Yes, myth busting. We love a bit of myth busting, don't we? Um, weirdly, the one we have. Uh, is the Cyberman, the Earthshock Cyberman, and again, oh, that wasn't was, that wave? That was, wasn't that wave two? It's sorry, it is wave two. Yeah, we can get a separate episode out wave two plus that first wave of three pack of Daleks as well, which was so cool. But I can tell you where I got that. I remember where I bought that as well. It was oh, this where is was weird. That? I've got I got it in Tesco and Rutherglen, and when I got it, one of the indicator lights had snapped off, and I remember buying it with Katie, oh and even. And that, so you were talking that this is about 2000 and so 2008 2009 possibly early 2009 i got that first that first dalek pack and she remembers that i mean she would have been about three at the time and she still remembers that i had to glue that ear back on very very carefully and it's never fallen off since so there we go i glued it on very carefully that's very good actually i'm impressed actually but that that's 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 it's funny everyone loves that dalek pack they absolutely mm love it it's the one that time and again people always kind of hold up as as kind of the the be all and end all it was beautiful um, it still is beautiful you're beautiful <laughs> i may be 
but I'm not sure I fall into that category. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, there we go. That's, I think we've got a fair bit covered there today. Wow, yes. thank you. That's been brilliant. Our next week trip back through the, the archives and, uh, and down memory lane and finding a few interesting things along the way. It is. It's like being thrown into the matrix with you, Kenny. I end up walking through my, my <laughs> own memory. Uh, just be yeah, glad that I'm not driving a train at you. <laughs> yes, I shall. I shall try and rem- I shall try and remember that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> shall we return next month and have a chat about Wave Two, please? Yeah, let's do that. And if there's any questions anyone has from, uh, we always say that, and nobody ever writes in. So, you know, it's okay. We're not offended. <laughs> no, I'm no. joking. Um, if there are. Yeah, fire them over and then we can talk about Wave 2 and then if there's any questions on Wave 1, we can... Because you and I love a bit of myth-busting, don't we? We love a we bit of myth-busting. We certainly do. We should we get a jingle made up for that. I'll, I'll try and get one. I'll speak to one of my musician pals. We do want to do myth-busting. <laughs> Myth-busters. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you're going to call. Anyway, until next time, it's been great. Thanks again. Thank you, Danny. Fabulous to speak to you. So there we go. I would have sat that un- unreleased Yeti figure would be released. How many people would have taken that figure and sat it on the toilet for the obvious <laughs> photograph? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And then put up Tooting Beck somewhere on it. Yeah. But, oh, Tooting that, Beck sounds rude. It, oh, Tooting Beck's weird. It's, I looked it up on the map once. It's really quite far out. It's not central London at all. Anyway, Al, thank you once again. We appreciate you. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate all the work that you do as far as, you know, making all these toys for these all, all of us sad little boys. We're really grateful. It's yep. terrific. It is. And, you know, fantastic to to hear that i mean there's so much more to that yeti story than i ever thought or ever knew Mm -hmm. so yeah the fact that there was like troubles with the bbc and the hazeman lincoln estate after all those years yeah i mean that's a whole other conversation itself to be honest yes we'll leave that there yep we shall indeed Mm -hmm. so okay dave you're knackered it's been a very long day we've recorded three episodes in one evening and watched a couple of dvds as well so why don't we wrap things up that's a great idea what are we going to play out with today? I've absolutely no idea. So it must be something from two. Oh right, if it's got to be something from two thousand eight, it's, it's going to either be um, Coldplay or Keen on the Saturdays or the Kings of Leon or MGMT or how about Time to Pretend by MGMT because you know use your toys to kind of play and pretend. That'd be quite good. That's okay. a bit of a tune. It's not what Kenny had in mind. Let's look at his face. He's thinking, no, I want to play my song. No, well, YouTube viewers, you can decide for yourselves. If you want to vote for Dave's option, call the number on screen. And if you want option B, my option, call that number below it. So if you do that now, and then we'll find out which one won. Yeah, my option is, it was either going to be, since we're talking about the bonus figure that came with Magnus Grove, Mr. Sin, so I thought we could do Pet Shop Boys, it's a sin. Or alternatively, there. there could be... Aqua and Barbie Girl, Life in Plastic, it's fantastic. And just, of course, the yes. Shooty Gatward nod there as well. Of course, see, I hadn't insisted in Plastic Bertrand a few weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, no, I want MGMT or Kings of Leon, please. Right, listeners, get voting. So, listeners, there we go. That's the option. You voted for the winner. But until then, I demand the recount. <laughs> yes, check out the Off Two podcast. Check out the Brandon Peters show. Check out Gallifrey's Most Wanted. Check out Once Upon a Geek by all my other podcasting pals. See you soon. Be good. Yes, and uh, I can recommend check out the All New Adventures of the Doctor Book Club. The Sirens of Audio. 
Um, check out Earth Two podcast. That's the ones. The, the two that main two that I listen to at the moment, actually. And um, also, there's the Tin Dog podcast, which is quite good fun for short, bite-sized Doctor reviews and thoughts. So there we go. That's just some ones off the top of our very, very tired heads because we've both had very long days. Time to go. Bye. Bye bye. I'm feeling-